Hello, everyone. My name is OJ Tucker, host of the OJ Tucker podcast, the only comedy tennis podcast that talks about our political and societal culture as a whole. My name is OJ Tucker, as the name would suggest. Happy Thursday. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying or getting ready to spend time with your weekend, spending time with your family, your friends, watching the Rogers Cup as well. If you're Indian, happy Raksha Bandhan uh, to everyone who is celebrating to any Hindus that are uh, watching this podcast. There's a little bit of news that we can get into outside of the tennis world. In terms of news outside of the tennis world, we can discuss Ezra Miller being accused of burglary and felony charges uh, stemming from yesterday at, and Monday, I would say, from Vermont. And we can just discuss my overall thoughts on Ezra Miller as a human and just the overall ordeal that he's been going through for the past few months based off of his own actions, that is. We can also discuss the FBI raiding Donald Trump's home that happened on Monday night. I'll give you my detailed explanation as to why I'm against it, but also why I think the attitude towards the FBI by conservatives, I think, is a little bit too much, and I don't think it's going to stay for too long. So we'll discuss that, the FBI raiding Donald Trump's home for classified White House documents and and that ilk. We can also discuss the Breakfast Club being over. That is of Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God, and DJ Envy. Obviously, Angela Yee tweeted this out yesterday that the Breakfast Club will be over as we know of it. It will be over, and I'll give you my overall thoughts and opinions on that. But where we'll start for today will be Serena Williams being set to retire. Uh, this happened yesterday in a Vogue cover shoot. Obviously, it's a very sort of apropos for. Serena Williams to make her waves on Vogue. Obviously, she had an affiliation with that of Anna Wintour and whatnot. And obviously, she's done a lot with the publication. But Serena Williams, in uh, in an interview or with in her sort of tell all, I wouldn't say tell all. Uh, that's a little bit wrong of me to say that. But out in in her sort of sit down piece with Vogue, uh, penning her thoughts on her life, on her daughters, on her essentially playing career acknowledge that her playing career and her playing days are surely over now she didn't say it that she's retiring in her vogue piece obviously she is set to retire and it is implied that this u.s open run will be the last run for her and her tennis career obviously you know, this is a, a person that's one of the best to ever do it. And I'm just getting this a, a particular quote uh, that I saw yesterday on Twitter, but I, it was also on the Vogue shoot as well. There comes a time when we have to decide to move in a different direction. That time is always hard when you love something so much. My goodness, do I love and do I enjoy tennis? But now the countdown can begin. I have to focus on being a mom. My spiritual goals and fi- and, fi- and finally discussing and discovering a different but just an exciting Serena. I'm going to relish these next few weeks. So yes, it is implied that the U.S. Open this year will be her last run, and I expect just universal support for her as she, I assume, plays each and every match of hers at Arthur Ashe Stadium because who knows, each and every match could be the last match that you, that she plays in. So. This is Serena Williams is one of the best players to ever play in the sport of tennis on the women's side. Period in the story. I mean, she's up there with Martina Navratilova, with Chris Everett, 
she's one major shy of Margaret Court. She's has she's won twenty three majors in total, seven at Wimbledon, six at the U.S. Open, six at the Australian Open, four at the French Open. I mean, she's done a lot within the sport of tennis. I assume those are the right numbers. I assume those are the right numbers. By the way, I don't know if that's if those numbers are est- are correct in terms of the amount of majors that she's won in each major, but she's she succeeded in each and every major that she's played in, and she's one of the few players that people can say that that has won each and every major at least once, and that's something that of, of you know that not many people can really take to their career, you know. So she's one of the best players to ever do it. Uh, case in case in point you know i think a lot of people have mixed opinions on serena williams and i understand their critique i understand why they may feel that way obviously when you see there are definitely highlights to her playing career i mean obviously her just annihilating maria sharapova every time that they stepped on court was entertaining to watch to say the least uh, her, you know, having that run in the in the early 2010s, you know, beating Alzarenka as well was great to watch. And I love Alzarenka, but that was just great to watch her, you know, compete and, and do that. Um, her battles and duels with Venus Williams. I think the last time that they really faced each other in like a final was the Australian Open final a few years ago, if I'm not mistaken. You know, I mean, there's a lot to remember her by her career. Uh, a lot to remember her by her career. Uh, obviously, people will mention, you know, her match with Naomi Osaka in the 2018 final at the U.S. Open, uh, which I, they have every right to do. I'm not going to lie. They will also talk about her ordeal with the line judges and, you know, her wanting to, like, show a ball down somebody's throat or something like that. I don't know if that's what she said particularly. I don't want to, like, put words in her mouth. But I remember one time, like, a line judge was mad that, like, and she went up to the chair umpire to, like, critique and to, like, talk about why... Serena Williams said what she said. You know, there are a lot of times where you watch Serena Williams play. Serena Williams play, and you're like, okay, like if this was like, if this was a man, you know, this would not fly. Like if this was John Isner doing this, or if this was any other player for that matter, uh, this simply would not fly. And I think it would result in more fines and more penalties, and whatnot. But because it is Serena Williams, she does get certain leeway at certain times so people are going to be upfront about it and say you know what you know Serena Williams may not be the most likable person on, on the, the WTA tour and for me when I hear that I don't necessarily disagree with that notion I, I don't I think there's a lot of there's a lot of truth behind that but I do think that her on the court accomplishments offset the off-court antics that we sort of know to be true from Serena Williams. And, you know, when I hear about, you know, Serena Williams retiring, it's, to me, I just view it as, okay, this is just another hurdle that U.S. tennis needs to sort of adjust because they've been really reliant on Serena Williams' success for quite some time now. And I feel like if, if U.S. tennis wants to succeed they need to do more in terms of getting more and more american tennis players to succeed at that product and if it start if it ends at serena williams i don't think that's a good thing i think it needs to continue i think american tennis needs to put more assets more development into building the future for american tennis so that american tennis can be taken as seriously 
you know, as say other people within Europe and you know whatnot. You know, all I'm saying is I don't want to see the Labor Cup be Team Europe ten, uh, Team World Zero. You know, like I don't want to see that. You know, I think you know America has a lot to do with that, and I think American tennis needs to sort of revamp itself so that it can be taken seriously. It can be taken in a way where people sort of view it in a, in a way that should be comparable to that of say the accomplishments of say Novak Djokovic, Rafa Nadal, and even that say Roger Federer. You know, so I think U.S. tennis needs to view this in stride and think to itself, okay, how can we build the next future of American tennis? And that's what I think. That's what I think. U.S. tennis should do right now is how can we view this retirement and say, okay, how can we build the next future of stars? How can we build the next future of, of tennis players that are that want to be identified as American and still compete and contend to be one of the greatest to ever do it? You know, the days of Sagas, uh, sorry, the days of Sampras and Agassi, you know, they're long gone. You know, I mean, Sampras won 14 majors, I'd say, in the 14 majors. You know, Agassi won eight. You know, I, I mean, at this moment in time, you know, the, even though they've won a lot of majors, uh, it, it doesn't hold a candle to that as, say, Nadal and Djokovic. So right now, what I would say to American tennis is, you know, try and build up the next future stars. You know, view this as an opportunity to make the next Serena. I know that's going to be, that's easier said than done and probably will never happen because of how successful Serena Williams is. But, you know, do your due diligence to make sure that you can make a product on field or on the court that is worth watching. And I think that is something that American tennis needs to really focus on as you see Serena Williams retire, as you see Venus Williams retire sooner than later, as you see John Isner getting older in age, you know, Really put your assets in so that these next future of American tennis stars can be stars. You know, whether it's Mackenzie McDonald, whether it's Riley Opelka, you know, I mean, these are some, you know, um, you know, Francis Tiafu. I mean, Francis Tiafu and Riley Opelka, to me, like, they are, they have what it takes to be stars of the game. You know, it, all it really depends on is whether or not they're able to win against better talent, which is... FAA and that of say Berrettini and all these other other individuals that often you know have a number on them when they play in these tournaments. So that's sort of my suggestion for American tennis is now that Serena Williams is retiring, which is very sad. Uh, how can we build the next future of tennis stars so that we can have similar success rates? With the next future and the next generation of tennis stars, akin to they, akin to say of that of Serena Williams. That's sort of what I wanted to put out there in terms of how I think American tennis should sort of view this re- retirement by Serena Williams. So yeah, overall Serena Williams is set to retire. Uh, very sad news. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of fans with for Serena Williams. Serena Williams, as evidenced by Arthur Ashe Stadium, and uh, what happened three, four years ago with Naomi Osaka. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like Serena Williams is a very interesting case because I feel like a lot of people remember her for more of her off the court antics than say on the court antics. And as I said before, I, I don't really blame them in, in thinking that. But overall, uh, career a story career is over, 
And now we move on to the next generation of stars or tennis players who hopefully can succeed in a way that Serena Williams will succeed. But I don't think that'll be the case. I really don't. I think Serena Williams is a is a once in a lifetime sort of tennis player. And I'll be honest with you, I feel like she was sort of checked out mentally after King Richard. I feel like King Richard, you sort of saw like a difference within her mentality towards tennis. I thought King Richard was sort of the swan song for her in terms of her off, on the court sort of productivity and whatnot. But it's to see her retire at the US Open, I think that's a fitting way to end it all. So, anyways, that's my hot minute on Serena Williams. All right, so let's get into news outside of the tennis world. Obviously, I want to say this. Uh, Nick Kyrgios and Daniil Medvedev are playing today. I'm filming this on a Wednesday. I'm releasing it tomorrow on a Thursday. They're playing today, and if you did not, if you did not watch this match, you're going to miss out. I highly, highly suggest you watch this match because this is going to be a barn burner. It's going to be three sets long. It's going to be the best of Nick Kyrgios serving, the best of Daniil Medvedev returning serve. You're going to see a lot of octopus shots by Daniil Medvedev. You're going to see a lot of smashes by Nick Kyrgios. This is going to be a great match. I know I'm, I'm saying this in the in the past because most of you are watching on Thursday, but man, oh man, you guys need to watch this match at the Rogers Cup. It is going to be a great, great, great Great match. I'm, I'm excited to watch this match. Uh, so that is that is your tennis minute for you guys. Let's move on to news outside of the tennis world. So the Breakfast Club is over. Um, this is from Angela E. The Breakfast Club, as you know it, is officially over. And if you guys don't know the Breakfast Club, it is a morning radio show that happens in New York syndicated. That's New York and syndicated all across the globe, essentially. Uh, and the Breakfast Club is hosted by Angela Yee, uh, DJ Envy, Charlamagne the God. Obviously, Charlamagne the God is like the main guy of that sort of group. But they've been doing it for the past 10, 11 years, 12 years, I would say, ever since they started 2010s. And they've really been having a lot of great moments, environmental moments that have spawned on Twitter and on YouTube and whatnot. I mean, when you think of the Breakfast Club, you know, you think of, you know, the Soldier Boy interview, you think of... Birdman, you think of all these sort of characters in their interviews, and the Breakfast Club is over. Now, I don't know what Angela Yee means by this. Maybe it means that she's leaving and that DJ Envy and Charlamagne the God are staying because I think they they were re-upped on their deals and Angela Yee wasn't. I, I think that's what I can sort of deduce from what, it, what she tweeted out and what I sort of can infer. But overall... The Breakfast Club, as we know it, it's over. So I don't think it's no more. I don't think Angela Yee is in the picture anymore. I think DJ Envy and Charlamagne the God are still there. They might replace Angela Yee with another person that sort of asks the questions and does her thing. But overall, it's... It, I mean, I really liked The Breakfast Club with Angela Yee. I thought she offered a sort of unique perspective. She did her own thing. You know, obviously... She's not going to be as sort of flagrant as say of that of she of say Shramin the God or or you know be as inquisitive as DJ Envy in certain areas, but I do think that Angela Yee really gave the a right amount of questions at the right amount of time and did her part in sort of managing it in a way that really brought the room down. Now, obviously, people will think of that as a complaint, but I actually think in a lot of ways, 
that's a that's constructive and that's actually a bit of a compliment because you know that's something that you that is needed you know whenever you have sit down interviews with people with whether it's in hip-hop or whether it's in politics or that or say stand-up comedy it's important to have somebody that sort of reigns it all in and sort of focuses on the questions of the matter and and i think angeli sort of did that during her time on the breakfast club you know i mean when you think of the breakfast club during her iteration during that sort of part you know you think of you know some great classic interviews i mean remember that machine gun kelly interview that was done after eminem and the mgk sort of fallout and the rap beef that happened in 2018 2018 was a very very interesting year for pop culture i mean look back look look back at that year but by the way like that was a very very sort of eye-opening few months like august september 2018 you had the serena williams thing with yomi osaka you had mgk eminem you had the passing of mac miller uh i mean you you had a lot of things happening within that short time span uh i don't know why i'm saying that but it is true I mean, there was a lot of things that happened during that time span uh but i mean looking back at that mgk interview i mean i thought you know a lot of people uh, were hating on mgk during that time but i felt like the breakfast club really gave his, him his time to shine and really gave actual thoughtful questions to machine gun kelly for the time being and you know we're having asking him questions that were very important at that time so honestly i, I like the breakfast club you know i think the breakfast club is a really really good product um obviously there are duds you know there are dud interviews and i think the people that are on the show will be the first to admit that as well but the breakfast club did give some key cultural moments it did i mean there are a lot of times where you watch the breakfast club and you're like wow like you can tell that this clip will go viral i mean when you when you see charlemagne the god asking logic the rapper you know who who did you know who did bad things to his mom like <laughs> that question i mean now it was like viral on twitter i mean that was viral on twitter you know <laughs> or sorry not his mom his sister you know i mean that was very flagrant that was very uncalled for but i mean man oh man was that a viral worthy moment you know i mean there are certain things with the breakfast club that you just knew that were just musty tv you know whenever you had you know sort of when you had i forget his name but he's the guy that I, I wouldn't say he's a black israelite but he's dr umar johnson that's the guy when you when they had dr umar johnson on that was must watch that was a must watch video i would just put it at that that was a must watch video if you guys don't know who dr umar johnson is he's basically like alex i wouldn't even say alex jones for black people but he was he basically gave a lot of advice really bad advice for like life marital advice you know job advice and he would sort of go viral by making these horrible horribly horribly made videos on off the advice given and he would just go viral on twitter for for being a, a dummy you know for for being a dumbass and and that's sort of how his claim to fame was sort of made up and whatnot and they had a great interview with him i thought you know his interview on that on that program was really eye-opening and really showed that yeah this guy is clearly just going for laughs and going going for that comedic angle and trying to make it entertaining and you know i have a lot of respect for dr Moore johnson after that interview you know so 
the Breakfast Club was a really fun product to watch. And I think DJ Envy and Charlemagne the God will still be there. I still think that will happen because, again, they make a lot of money. Uh, the Breakfast Club seems like one of the few programs on iHeartRadio that really make iHeartRadio money. You know, that with, say, Ryan Seacrest. I mean, obviously, Ryan Seacrest is going to have a few listeners from, like, the middle of America that will tune in and hear him. You know, I don't know why. But Ryan Seacrest, whether it's that or Elvis Duran show, I'm sure there's a lot of fat moms in middle America that, you know, just eat up Elvis Duran. Uh, no, no pun intended, I would say. But, you know, I, I feel like DJ and Vintrell, I mean, the God, I think they'll still be there. Uh, because of the fact of the amount of money that they bring for IR Radio and the amount of businesses that they have under IR Radio, I, I know Charlemagne has the Black Event Network, which is sort of co-owned by IHeartRadio. Radio, or I think he licensed the shows to IHeartRadio, Radio, and then IHeartRadio Radio sorts of put sort of sorts of put it on their podcast feeds and whatnot. So honestly, I think you know the Breakfast Club. I think this is a, a step in the right direction. I would say because it it sort of changes pace for them where now they can ha- have a different person that adds a different spin to it and i feel like you know angelie was a really good host for breakfast club but you know it does sting you know that that she's not a part of it but i'm excited to see what's next for it you know i really am you know so honestly angelie not not on the breakfast club anymore sad news i remember she would always ask the guest to you know, to not chew gum during the interview shows, she would always like rip a piece of paper and make them like toss their gum out, which was hilarious to see. Uh, I think she did it recently with a guest. I think Chance the Rapper. But uh, overall, uh, not a, I mean, it's it's sad. It's sad to see uh, that Chance the Rapper was on The Breakfast Club. That, that was very sad to see. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it kinda, it's kind of sad to see. Uh, I liked Chance the Rapper, by the way. I, I want to be upfront about it. I liked Acid Rap. I thought Acid Rap was a great album. One of the better albums in the 2010s for hip-hop, that is. But ever since, like, Coloring Book and ever since all these recent projects, The Big Day, The Big Day was god-awful. But ever since this last few projects, it's, like, it's way too god-heavy. And don't get me wrong, I, I mean, I'm a religious guy, like, I I love it when people talk about God, but I feel like it gets to a point where it's just way too incessant, where it's like, okay, w- w- you like God, we get it, you're a family man, but it's just way too much, it, it's just, it's just, it's like, it's like when you ring out a message too dry, you know, like, even the most depressing album needs to have one song where he's sort of uplifted and sort of happy and upbeat, otherwise it just gets way too sad and way too repetitive and it it, beca- it it becomes monotonous and i felt like that i feel like that's the case with chance the rapper's recent albums and even then like that last album hot day hot hot uh, the big day that song hot shower that's one of the worst songs i think i've ever heard like i mean i i remember listening to it the day of when it was released i'm like okay this album could be good i saw the track list and i saw some weird names that he was you know sort of doing songs with Shawn mendes and whatnot i'm like okay he's clearly going for that pop angle and then i heard that i heard the songs on the album and i'm like oh man this is horrible this is like one of the worst things i've ever experienced you know in terms of listening to an album wise so overall uh, i don't i hope the hope angelie didn't end her breakfast club career or her time on the breakfast club with that interview 
uh, because I feel like there are more important people to interview than Chance the Rapper, but uh, or more entertaining people to interview than Chance the Rapper. But hey, if that's the case, uh, then so be it. But overall, sad, sad. It's kind of sad. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, she she tweeted this out like at 9 p.m. So she had this on lock, 8:58 p.m. But she had this on lock. Um, who knows what's next for her? I think she has like a few businesses under her name, so she's probably going to do that. Who knows? But overall, um, the Breakfast Club, as we know it, is over. You know, it's officially over. So, uh, best of luck to all the people that are leaving the show. I think it's just Angela Yee, but best of luck to the people that are leaving the show. So, I'll sort of leave it off at that. All right, uh, let's get into our next bit of discussion here. Uh, so, the FBI has raided. Donald Trump's home in Mar-a-Lago. This happened, I think, on Monday night. There were several agents within the FBI searched Donald Trump's home for classified documents pertaining to his time at the White House. And this is from Time, so at Time. The FBI searched former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago real estate as part of an investigation uh, into whether he took classified records from the White House to his Florida residence. People familiar with the matter said Monday. Uh, it was later to continue by saying the following, uh, this unannounced raid on my home, and he, this is from Donald Trump's words, this unannounced raid on my home was not necessary or appropriate as prosecuti- prosecutorial misconduct. The weaponization of the justice system and an attack by radical left Democrats who desperately don't want me to run for president in 2024. <laughs> I love how you added that last part in. The radical left Democrats, because... Anybody who knows the FBI knows that it's not run. It's not run by radical left Democrats. Like radical left Democrats want to disband the FBI and the CIA. They do not want to be in cahoots with the CIA and the FBI. Uh, but anyways, when he says that they don't desperately want him to run for president in twenty twenty four, I think he's running that in that regard. I really do think so. I think this was a coordinated t- attack to inhibit him from running in 2024 because in my opinion and i made this abundantly clear a few podcast episodes ago but if donald trump runs for re-election he's going to win he's going to win if donald trump runs for real if donald trump runs for president again in 2024 and if he announces his candidacy in 2023 he's going to win you know who's the his biggest competition right now ron DeSantis, mr israel the guy who will do anything, if not everything, to benefit Israel and will do anything, if not everything, to not really help out the people of his own state. That's the guy, Ron DeSantis. Now, I'm not saying Donald Trump is any better. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that in terms of charm, in terms of charisma, in terms of getting people to hear what they want to hear, I feel like Donald Trump has a way better effect and a way bigger effect than that of, say, Ron DeSantis. And, and that's, it's not even calculable. Like whenever someone says, hey, maybe Ron DeSantis is going to win in 2024, I'm like, no, you're like, you're wrong. Like that's just a wrong opinion to have. So when I saw this information and when I saw this news story, I saw a lot of conservatives going after the FBI and actively wanting to disband the FBI. I think Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted that out saying that we need to disband the FBI. And listen, I really want that to be true. Like, I think disbanding the FBI and putting the CIA and breaking up the CIA into a million pieces is the way to go. Like, I'm for breaking up intelligence agencies. But to me, when I hear this, 
all I can really think of is I think that this is just a flavor of the month for Republicans to be a part of. This is just another cycle of the culture war for Republicans. Now, I hope a lot of these Republicans are genuine with their belief on disbanding the CIA, but and disbanding the FBI, that is. But we all know if you disband the CIA, you're disbanding the FBI. But for me, like when I see this, it's like, okay, this, they're just moving. They're, they're going to move on to the next thing. Right now, it's the FBI. The next month, it's going to be back to trans athletes. Two months from now, it's going to be about uh, whether or not we should teach critical race theory in schools. At this moment in time, I really do think that this is just another dumb culture war argument that they, that they want to fight on. And that they have no real effort of trying to fix or change like i i to me like that's what I, what i really think of when i think of conservatives going after the fbi i mean i i support it i think it's great that they're going after it but i don't think they're really i don't think they're going to make a well-concerted effort to do that i don't think they're ever going to really fix the fbi you know, I think this is going to be a story for the next week or so, and then it will die down. And then once it dies down, back to trans athletes, back to whether or not we should be teaching critical race theory in schools, back to whether or not, you know, you know, whether, I don't know, pick a, another cultural war topic and it will be the talk of the town. Now, I'm not saying that they're wrong in terms of having these discussions about critical race theory, about trans athletes and, and play, uh, competing in, in like women's sports or whatnot. I'm not saying that they're wrong or not. I'm just saying that this is just another one of those things. It's not t- to be taken seriously. Like, I don't think so. I mean, if you really think about it, conservatives, they really aren't successful in any attempt for change. You know, you could argue the Supreme Court, but in terms of legislative powers, because that's the judicial branch, but in terms of the legislative branch, what's the last thing a conservative has ever accomplished? Like, I'm being quite honest with you on that. I mean, not even a conservative, but just any politician. You know, I I hate to sing a lot of conservatives, but I mean, let's sing a lot of conservatives right now. I mean, what's the last legislative accomplishment a conservative has ever done? A tax cuts bill? That's it? A tax cuts bill that made the middle class pay more in taxes and made the rich pay less in taxes. That's the less. That's the last legislative accomplishment that Republicans have ever done in office. Like, what's the last thing Republicans have really legislative, legislatively fought for? So, do you really think that they're going to break up the FBI? Really, you really think so? I mean, I I hope that's the case. I really do, for conservative sake. You know, because I think Republicans need to grow a spine. Same with Democrats, but for the for this purpose of 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 conversation, I think that Republicans need to grow a spine because they've they've been proven time and time again that they do not and will not fight for popular opinions that are within their own caucus, that are within their own coalition. You know, so I think this is one of those things where they're just not gonna really work on. You know, which sucks because I want to see the FBI disbanded. I want to see the CIA disbanded. I want to see the NSA disbanded. You know, after seeing what they did to Edward Snowden, I want to see the NSA being being disbanded. After seeing what they did to Julian Assange, I want to see the CIA being disbanded. You know, I want to see these agencies that have ruined these individuals' lives be disbanded. 
You know, that's where I, that's the position that I'm on. You know, I, for me, like we all know that these agencies run the government. You know, what, what stop acting as if Ben Sass, the senator from Nebraska, is running and doing legislative accomplishments within office? He's not. Let's stop acting as if Josh Hawley from Missouri is doing anything to better America. Let's stop acting as if Dianne Feinstein is doing anything to better America. Let's stop acting as if Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota is doing anything to benefit America. They're not at all. They have never have. They never will. These agencies essentially run America. And if, you, if, we, if we really want to be more into it, we can also, also admit that, you know, Saudi Arabia is also running the government. And I'm not going to lie, maybe even Ukraine at this point. I mean, think about the amount of aid that we've been given Ukraine. I mean, there was a report the other day that we gave like billions of more dollars in aid to Ukraine. I'm like, why? I mean, every time I see Zelensky, he's on a Vogue cover shoot with his wife with a bunch of Benjamin Franklin's on a, on a desk. It's like, why are we giving more money to this nation? I thought they're in a war. Shouldn't they be in a war? Why is Zelensky having Vogue cover shoots if he's in a war? If he's in a war, why is he doing these Vogue cover shoots? It's like, I don't know. Anyways, that's sort of what I wanted to get into with the with the Donald Trump FBI thing. For me, like I don't think the FBI should have raided his home. I don't think so. I mean, it's kind of evident that I that a lot of presidents do take classified documents and to their uh their their real estate or their home and if we're going to be quite honest with you i mean this is like sort of a watergate scandal like i feel like this should be in the same discussion as watergate and i'll be quite honest with you i don't really see why watergate was that big of an issue so i sort of view this in the same way as watergate where i feel like people are making a big deal out of it i feel like if if this was back in the 60s or 70s it would be a much bigger deal but i don't think it's that big of a deal Makes sense? Or I don't think it, it, it should be grounds for him being sent to jail or him, you know, not being able to run 2024. Honestly, I, I do think that this is a coordinated hit piece on Trump so that he doesn't run in 2024. I feel like this was a warning given by the FBI saying, hey, don't run. If you run, we're going we're gonna to we're gonna pull all the stops for you to fail. In ways that you will never see before, that you never saw before in your 2016 run. I feel like it's going to be like that with the FBI. I feel like these intelligence agencies do not want to have anybody who is on the outside. And I say that in terms of the way that he speaks and the way that he sort of puts his words out there. I don't think that they want somebody who is generally viewed as an outsider, even though he does do a lot of work for Israel and he's basically... a politician when he was in office he was basically Mitt Romney he was no different than Mitt Romney but I feel like they don't want another person like that in office ever again and they'll they'll pull out all the stops they did it to Bernie Sanders and back in 2016 and also in 2020 they did it to um, Ron Paul in 2012 they did it to Howard Dean in 2004 Uh, but Howard Dean sort of has changed ever since then but still you know they pulled the stops on Howard Dean you know, they've been proven and they've been proven to essentially go after individuals that are viewed as outsiders. And I thought this was a warning shot on Trump saying, hey, do not run for president in 2024. Otherwise, this will happen. 
more of these incidents will happen and we may even put you behind bars if that's the case so i don't think that's that will be happening anytime soon but i do think that that could happen so overall that is those are my thoughts on the uh donald trump situation and on conservatives in general i don't think that conservatives are really caring about this story as they should like i don't i think they they say that hey we should end this fbi but it's like only a week in like for a week it will be in the fbi and you'll see all these sort of conservative channels and in conservative twitter accounts repost ron paul clips from the 1980s about how we should end the fbi and i'm not saying that they're wrong or anything i actually really i actually really much support them it's just that they don't really care about it they don't it's it's no different than than you know Democrats with defund the police. Like every Democrat back in summer 2020 was so in favor of defund the police. And then a few months later, they realized the, that the approval ratings for defund the police were down and then they gave it away as if they never really cared about it. So again, it's, it, it's, it's a flavor of the month for them. And the wheel's going to keep turning and they're going to switch to a different topic that they find most suitable for their supporters. Just like how I'm going to do right now. So let's get into our next bit of discussion here. I think I sort of dry that topic out. Let's talk about some important news, some life-changing news, some news that will clearly shake up the world of uh, entertainment. So Ezra Miller has been accused of burglary felony, uh, and he's now set to testify in court. And um, this is going to be a fun trial to watch if it does happen to be public and open to the public so this is from variety so as the flash star ezra miller charged with felony burglary in vermont ezra miller the embattled star warner brothers the flash movie has been charged with felony burglary in stanford vermont uh i thought stanford was only in connecticut but it's also in vermont according to a vermont state police report According to the police report, Vermont State Police were notified of a burglary complaint from a residence in Stanford at 5.55 p.m. on May 1st. Police found that several bottles of alcohol were taken from the residence while the homeowners were not present. After collecting statements and looking at surveillance videos, police found probable cause found probable cause to, char- to charge Miller with felony burglary into an occupied dwelling. Police located Miller on August 7th at 11.23 p.m., and issued then a citation to appear to issued them a citation to appear in a Vermont Superior Court on September 26 for arraignment. According to a Rolling Stone investigation in June, Miller has been housing a 25-year-old mother and three children who are between the ages of one and five at the actor's home ranch in Stanford, Vermont. The property doubles as an unlicensed cannabis farm and has several firearms on the premises, according to the report. One source who spoke to Rolling Stone alleged that the one-year-old child was found with a loose bullet in their mouth. It's unclear whether the Stanford properties are one of the same. Uh, this is the latest controversy in to befall Miller, who has been at the center of scandals for the better part of this year. They were arrested twice in Hawaii this spring, once for disorderly conduct and harassment, and once more for second-degree assault. Miller is facing several allegations of abuse from different women across, <laughs> around the world. I don't, I don't mean to laugh, uh, but I, I just like to see mental illness being done like this. Like, if you're going to be mentally ill, make it entertaining for me. Like, that's the thing. Like, if you're going to be mentally ill, if you're going to be, if you're going to go above and beyond to be a character and to be this sort of figure that is hated, universally hated by everybody, be this. 
speed this. I want to see this happen. Uh, but anyways, Miller is facing several allegations of abuse from different women around the world, including choking a woman in an Icelandic bar and harassing another woman in her home in Berlin. Throughout Miller's arrest and controversies, the question of whether or not the solo Flash movie will be canceled or released in theater next year had, has persisted. Last week, however, Warner Brothers Discovery CEO Diz- David Zaslav reiterated that The Flash is still a go, saying we have seen The Flash, Black Adam, and Shazam 2. We are very excited about them. We have seen them. We think they are t- terrific, and we think we can make them even better. After several delays, The Flash is currently set to hit theaters on June 23rd. 2023 war warner sorry variety has reached out to miller's representatives for comment and i assume they didn't reach back to comment so first and foremost i want to say this the miller the the movie the millers the movie uh is not going to i don't think it's going to be out i don't i I mean there's a lot of scenes of ezra miller in this movie so obviously they're not going to cut him out at all i don't i don't think that'll be the case but i do not think that this movie will see light of day if they if they can the bad girl I don't think that this movie will see theaters unless the movie is really good. If the movie is really well shot and really well made, then I think that will be the case where they put it on theaters. But I wouldn't be surprised if they dump it on HBO Max. You know, if if the movie really does stink, like Wonder Woman 2, Wonder Woman 2 was a horrible movie, one of the worst movies ever made, um, in my opinion, at least. Uh, Don't watch it at all. Uh, but if it's really well made, I think it sees theaters, but if it's in the same vibe as say bad girl, Wonder Woman two, then I I think they'll just put on HBO max and have it on that platform for in perpetuity. Now I was laughing because here's the thing. When I think of Ezra Miller and maybe this is just me, but I think of when I think of Ezra Miller and what he's done recently, I really do sort of view him as in the same way as, say, like, Anthony Jeselnik's alter ego character on stage. Like, there's a lot of similarities between the two of them. Where, like, I I feel like they are, like, Tumblr's worst enemy. Like, I really do think so. Like, when you think of Anthony Jeselnik's alter ego on stage, you know, whether whether through through his specials of Caligula or Fire the Maternity Ward or That Say Thoughts and Prayers, it's very similar to that of, say, Ezra Miller. Uh... And I love to see it in comedy. Uh, maybe in real life, not so much. But I just found that out. There's, there's a lot of similarities between the two of them. But I'm excited to see this. I'm excited to see the trial if it does happen. Uh, I feel like they is that that they is very mentally unwell. That he sort of needs that they sort of need to really sort of change the way that they move. That they sort of view themselves uh and i think that they really need to take a step back and get some help i really do think that that's the case for ezra miller i think that's something that he really needs to do because that they really need to do because they's actually a really good actor i mean i really enjoyed them performance they their performance at and Perks of Being a Wallflower. I mean, that was a really good performance that Ezra Miller really gave in that movie. I mean, that was a pretty good performance on Ezra Miller. Uh, now, oh, after that, I don't think he that day was really that good uh, after that. But still, I mean, that movie really showed the acting chops of Miller. Now, I don't think he's that good. I don't think they is that good to be defending to be for 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 us to defend them. 
I don't think they is that good for that. But overall, in terms of this, um, I mean, I just like to see Ezra Miller just go through shit. Like, I, I really like to see that. I really like to see Ezra Miller just go through this uh, because he's he's the, they is the show. You know, they is the show. We need a show. We as humans need a show to watch. You know, we as we as humans need something to document to be like, oh, you know what? Like, even though we may not be rich, even though we may not be in these movies, even though we we may not be conventionally attractive, even though we may not have a jawline, uh, we can still laugh and gawk at individuals that have all of that, but still manage to to screw up. And I feel like Ezra Miller is the best case version of that where it's like wow we can look at that and be like wow at least we're not that you know at least we're not a person that is having a of one-year-old and five-year-old hostage in our stanford vermont home you know at least we're not the person at least we're not you know being accused of grooming a person from massachusetts you know who's part native american you know i mean at least we have that working for us you know at least we have that uh, so I, th- I think that's where Ezra Miller needs to really focus on is just having good PR now. Just just don't do anything. Like get rid of the people that you are housing right now. Get rid of everybody that you know is you know sort of dead weight to you. I would say just focus on the acting. If, if, if I'm Ezra Miller, like I'm pressing the panic button right now and just immediately just 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 putting it all away just putting it all away and and just focus on the acting now i don't think he's going to do i don't think dave's going to do that i don't think that at all but that's what i would do if i was ever um and also obviously get help Uh, that's that's the most important part but i i I do like to see i do want to see him i don't know if i don't know if i mean i don't know this is true or not but apparently like there's a rumor over the past week or so that Ezra Miller has been running like a cult in Iceland. So like he's, this guy's a weirdo, but I love to see, I love to document this guy. I'm not gonna lie. I like, I like talking about Ezra Miller on this podcast because man, oh man, like this guy is like, he might be the most interesting man in the world. Honestly, at this one point in time, like if I was Dosekis or whatnot, like I would immediately give him a sponsorship like immediately like i would immediately i don't know if those commercials run anymore i don't think so but i mean 10 11 years ago like they were like the biggest thing ever like back in middle school when i was like watching espn like those were some of the biggest commercials ever and i feel like if dosakis if they're still in the market if they're still doing well i would immediately make ezra miller like the main guy like because he is the most for better or for worse i'm not saying it's it's good i'm not saying the reasoning and rationale is good but for better or for worse he is right now the most interesting man in the world <laughs> because i really want to see i really want to see future developments of Ezra Miller like i want to see what's happening next i want i want to see him run like an underground like like uh, like dungeon like i think i think Ezra Miller has the capability to do that and i, and I wouldn't be shocked if that was the case if he just was like was like running an underground dungeon or whatnot. And obviously, I'm joking, but I wouldn't be shocked if that was the case. After seeing all these news stories, like I wouldn't be shocked if the worst case scenario of Ezra Miller comes out. You know, so maybe maybe he shouldn't be the most interesting man in the world. Maybe he should be behind bars if that's the case. 
and that should be the case. But you know what I mean by that, where it's like he's just continuing. They is just continuing to spiral out of control. And it's going to continue to happen unless somebody puts the boot to him, unless some unless somebody punches them in the face and says, you know what, you're doing a horrible thing. Uh, until that happens, they is just going to continue going around doing the same old thing that they always do, which is wrecking havoc around New England. You know, I'm in New England. I'm scared. I'm not going to lie. If Ezra Miller sees this video, I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't know what's going to happen. He might, you know, put nail polish on me. I don't know. Maybe he might, you know, put put me in drag. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know that Ezra Miller needs to change. That I, I can say for for sure. He needs to change. This is not good behavior. This is not something that a movie studio should be supporting. And I do think that if Warner Brothers does put out the movie, even though if they even if they don't want to admit it, it sort of is a support on his behavior. And I don't think that's really good. You know, I don't think that's really good. Uh, so. Hey, listen, if they want to put out a dumb superhero movie on uh, for us to watch, so be it. I'm not going to watch another superhero movie, you know, unless I think it's actually worth it to watch. Like, the, the latest Batman movie, Batman movie was worth it to watch because it was different. It was, even though it was still dealing with the same Bat character, it, it was a different pace, a different tone. And honestly, I really enjoyed that movie. It's one of my favorite films of this year so far. But still, the vast majority of superhero films are, are horrible. Let, let's be upfront about it. They're horrible. They're generic pieces of garbage that are formulaic and offer no sort of unique qualities to it or unique aspects to it. So I'm going to say that about The Flash as well. You know, the DC universe is so weird right now because you can tell that they really want to make their own DC universe, but they found their most success in films that aren't within that universe. I mean, the Joker is not in that universe. The Batman is not in that universe. But those two films have had the most success, not only commercially, but also critically as well. So it's like, I don't know why they're so gung-ho about establishing a DC cinematic universe. If I was Warner Brothers, I would just let go of that. There's no reason to have it. But anyways, that is Ezra Miller for you. Uh, I, I, I really question whether he's there. Like, I, I think he's just gone. I think he's just a full-on, like, mentally ill, schizophrenic individual. You know, there's a lot of people like that. You know, I mean, there's some people that I know, uh, I don't know closely, but there are people that I know of that are just gone. And, and it's sad to see that, you know. It's very sad to see that happen. But again, you know, he's done these actions, and he has to pay for the consequences, you know. And who knows what the consequences are? Maybe it's people beating him up. Maybe it's people, maybe it's jail time for him I, I don't know who knows what's going to happen uh, but to be charged with felony burglary as like as a star as like a movie star that's that's kind of sad you know and that's not the first time that he's been accused of breaking into somebody's home I and mean, look at back at hawaii you know back a few months ago he broke into like some couple's home in hawaii and like tried, tried to slap some guy it's like this guy's like crazy like this guy's like no nonsense like if this was if he was in the nfl like he would be like out of the nfl for like a year or so i mean i can't say that because they only gave it to deshaun watson six games but you know that what i'm saying right like if this was like any other situation besides hollywood like he would be out of a job immediately like if this was 
a random individual, let's say a random financial analyst for like Citibank or some random engineer for a big tech firm, like they'll be out of a job if they were accused of what Ezra Miller was accused of, they would be out of a job. But I, I think it has to do with a lot of, I wouldn't say white privilege. I don't think that's the case. I think it has to do with celebrity privilege. I think it has a lot to do with the privilege of being a star, of being, I, I don't even want to call Ezra Miller a star, but it has a lot to do with them being in the Hollywood system and understanding that they have projects and that because of said projects that it would put them at risk of not succeeding and doing well. And when I say putting them at risk of not succeeding and doing well, I mean movie studios. So that's sort of what I wanted to take away from here uh, in terms of the Ezra Miller situation. Overall, I'm I'm interested to seeing what's going to happen next for Ezra Miller. I really, really am. This is like this is like popcorn for me. Like I, I'm really addicted addicted to this sort of news. I, I like to hear more news on Ezra Miller. Just him like continu- continuously just falling on his back and on this. I, I think this is I think this is it for his movie career. I, I think this is his first career in general. Once the Flash movie comes out, I feel like a lot of a lot of studios will look at this and be like, you know what, I don't want to, I don't want this baggage on me, and I feel like this will be the end of Ezra Miller's career as it as it is. So kind of sad, uh, not surprised, but uh, that is that will be Ezra Miller's career. I, I want I want to see what's going to happen next because he's got to make money somehow. You know, he can't just like sit in his Vermont home and and house these one year old and five year old kids and their mother like and and groom people from Greenfield, Massachusetts. You know, there's got to be more. He's got to do something to make money. So I want to see what's going to happen with him. All right. I think that's it for that topic. And that's it for this podcast. So, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, and click the bell icon for notifications down below. Make sure you guys subscribe to both my podcast channel and my podcast clips channel. Just podcast channel for now. Make sure you guys uh, follow me on my Twitter and Instagram at Tucker. A-J-A-Y-T-H-A-K-K-A-R underscore the N for both my Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you um, leave a comment down below on any of these topics, whether it's Serena Williams retiring, whether it's Donald Trump at home being raided, whether it's Ezra Miller, whether it's the Breakfast Club ending, any of these topics, leave them down below. I'll do my best to respond to each and every one of them. And guys, last but not least, make sure you spread it through your text chains and through WhatsApp. I burped, sorry. Make sure you spread it through your text chains and through WhatsApp. I think it's very, very important to spread it through word of mouth to get more and more people talking and more and more people invested and interested in this this podcast. The more honest we are about these conversations, the better it is for it to be humorous, for it to be funny. And that's sort of what I really want to go for. You know, obviously, it's a a tennis podcast that talks about our political and societal culture, but... There's a reason why I put comedy in the beginning because I really value comedy as something that you know I think we as humans have the one thing in common, which is our ability to laugh at each other, at ourselves, and that in and of itself is something that is needed in this ever-growing time. So thank thank you guys so much for watching this episode, uh, and I'll see you guys on uh, Tuesday with the new podcast. I don't know if I'll be recapping the Rogers Cup. I've been quite busy in my personal life these past few weeks. And it will, it will not stop these next few weeks as well. So until September, until the start of the U.S. Open, I won't really be discussing and recapping tennis like I did earlier in this past year with the past tournaments that I did recap on my podcast clips channel. But I'm excited to watch the Medvedev and Curios match, and I'm excited to see 
what's going to happen for the Rogers Cup. So, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you guys on Tuesday. Enjoy your weekend. Spend time with your family and friends. Avoid the bookings. And enjoy the Rogers Cup final. All right, guys. Peace. See you all.